Fear is a prophet spirit from hell. Yes. Sent to give you a negative report yep. of the future so that you will make a fear-based decision that God won't honor. Mm-hmm. That's what fear is. Welcome to the Built for War podcast. I'm Jimmy Evans. I'm so glad that you've joined me. This podcast is designed to talk about real issues related to leadership, pastors, you know, leaders in the church, elders, volunteers. You may be in the church uh, and, you know, you're just dealing with church issues. And that's what we deal with here. We're dealing today with the subject of fear. And this is something that as a young pastor of 29 years old, when I started in the ministry, I spent many years dealing with not just fear, but dread fear that changes your personality, that changes your decision making, that you go to bed with, you wake up with all kinds of fears, insecurities, dealing with difficult people, uh, decision making, all those kinds of things. And so I have I'm joined with today by Pastor Jimmy Witcher, who's the senior pastor of Trinity Fellowship Church in Amarillo, Texas, and also Lee Cummings, who's the senior pastor of Radiant Church in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me. Welcome, Pastor. Great to, great to be here. I know that you've never had any fear, but I'm sure you know some people who do. <laughs> yeah, it's I've never been about, an issue. I've heard about it. <laughs> well, I, you know, the first 10 years of, of being in the ministry, I, I never went to Bible school or seminary. I came from the business world like Jimmy did, and I had never been to, to Bible school or seminary. And the first church I pastored was 900 people. Well, I'd only preached a couple of times before. I'd never led a staff i'd never taken an offering i'd and i just i was afraid of i was fearful of failure i was fearful of rejection um i mean i I just i had so many fears and it it drove me Mm -hmm. uh for the first uh, the lord had healed our marriage you know karen almost divorced after several years of marriage and then when i came into the ministry um it uh i lost I, i lost a couple of years with my kids i mean i was just trying to be all things to all people trying to make people happy, which is the most tormenting thing yeah. in the world of trying to keep everybody happy. Yeah. But I remember I remember that fear and uh, also the fear of speaking in front of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a, uh, even though I was a pastor and I'd get up every weekend and speak, I was fearful every time I did it. And, and the problem was the church kept getting bigger and I kept getting bigger offers to speak in bigger churches and mm-hmm. to be on TV and all. And every time I did, it was just the, that same, same fear mm-hmm. that I was dealing with. And this is something that, that I want us to talk about because there's no one that doesn't deal with fear. Mm-hmm. And to the degree that you're in the ministry, uh, and especially as you ascend into ministry, you're going to have to deal with that issue of fear. And it's, it, it can be something, for, for me, it compromised me as a person. And I said yes when I meant no. Uh, mm-hmm. I, was, I was a people pleaser. I was a placator. I was, I was a weak leader. The, the, the thing was I would do the right thing but I would try to make everybody happy in the process, mm-hmm. be a little politician. And it was tormenting. So I, I didn't comprom- compromise myself in my beliefs or practices related to being a pastor. I just compromised myself by trying to be a politician, keep everybody happy, which ended up you know, in a, in a really bad place. So today, uh, I, I live in peace. I, I don't have fear. I have, I have fears, you know, some fears, but you know, they're, they're not tormenting fears or binding fears or things like that. So what do you guys think about this related to um, so Jimmy, you were you were an elder mm-hmm. in the church. Uh, you were in business, and then you ascended as an elder, ultimately to take my place mm-hmm. at Trinity and Amarillo. 
What were some of the fears you dealt with when you were in leadership at Trinity before you became pastor? You know, so the, um, you know, spending probably 20 to 25 years in business and, and certainly 20 years in, in senior leadership in business, the leadership piece, the organization piece, that kind of came natural. So that was a, a normal, natural thing. Uh, but then coming in and leading a staff and quite honestly, being the <laughs> being the guy that's following Jimmy Evans. <laughs> You're welcome. You know, those were those were those were some big shoes uh, that, that you never put any pressure on me. And I, I so appreciate that about you. And, and there, I never felt pressure from you uh, or the elders or anything like that. But there was a natural pressure yeah. that I would put on myself of coming in and trying to figure out how do I, how do I lead? How do I preach? How do I, you know, what does that feel like? And, you know, that was back when we used to have Saturday night services. And even, right. even as you're talking about fear, I'm, I'm tripping out over here just a little bit because I, I can remember preaching on a Saturday night and, and literally coming down the, the stairs, headed back to my seat and in the short walk back to my seat, just hearing the enemy going, that was terrible. Oh, yeah. You need to quit. You can't do this again. There's no way you can do this tomorrow. Yeah. You know, and just that overwhelming feeling of, Oh my gosh, what am I doing? Uh, I'm just lost here. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, the Bible says that the, the fear of man is a snare. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that plays on a leader in a lot of different ways. And I look back, I was 25 when Jane and I left a great church to go to Kalamazoo and plant. Uh, Kalamazoo is a college town, not a huge city was always kind of viewed as the the little brother of Grand Rapids. Yeah. And so we we went down there and we launched. And I think fear mostly manifested itself in me as a leader. Not so much the people out there because, you know, we started with 17 and kind of worked our way up from the ground zero. And so every stage along the way you knew that the people who were there were there because they believed in you and they liked what you were saying. So I didn't really struggle with mm -hmm. it in that way, but what I did struggle with it in a very subtle way was trying to prove myself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Trying to prove myself as a young leader to those that I respected and looked up to, wanting to wanting to make it known that I was gifted, that I was anointed, that I was good enough. And so there was this internal drive in me to build something to validate myself. Right. And that's really rooted out of fear. Sure. It's mm -hmm. like I I need to have those that I respect and peers and those that I looked at as mentors to look at me and say, you did a good job or you did enough. And that can be very subtle in a leader's life, that kind of ambition. You know, the Bible talks about selfish ambition right. and it's, it's demonic mm -hmm. uh, because yeah. it's a spirit that whispers in your ear. If you just did a little bit more, you did a little bit better. If you build it big enough, others are going to recognize that and you're finally going to feel like you're successful. That's right. And that drives you. And it, and it drove me in the early years of our, of our church and God in his grace kind of met me and helped me. It was through some painful experiences, but able to recognize it and move beyond that. Yeah. It's something that I think a lot of people in ministry and a lot of pastors think if I only had a church this big or if I only <laughs> yeah. had this many books or whatever, <laughs> And, you know, you guys both have huge churches, and my friends, many of your friends, have passed the largest churches mm -hmm. in America. And, you know, and I tell people, and, it, and they're wonderful churches, they're great, but if you could just go behind the scenes in those churches, you would find out it's not what you think it is. That's right. And if those people don't have a personal relationship with Jesus and a good family life, and all those things, they nothing satisfies mm -hmm. you. That's true. Yeah, I mean, it really doesn't. But there is that fear that drives us. The <clears throat> so, 
I had never been mad at God. I was always proud of that. <laughs> that, I, that people would say, well, I'm mad at God. So I've never been mad at God. Well, I got real mad at God. And so I, I was a people pleaser. Um, I was trying, I feared failure. Mm -hmm. I feared rejection. And I had, we had a very uh, eclectic church of people from all different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. Well, they had different expectations. They could, some of them came from the Church of Christ. You did. You came from the Church mm -hmm. of Christ. Catholic Church. They came from Pentecostal churches. They came from Baptist Church. All this stuff. Well, so we were a, an interdenominational church of a lot of different people. And so, uh, you know, I had a very clear vision of what I mm -hmm. wanted for the church. The elders had blessed it. But these people would come in and they would demand this and this and this because they came from this background. They want this, this, and this. Well, I would placate them, you know, and I, yeah, well, that's, that's, that's great, you know, but, I, but I, I didn't do it. So one day they all found each other somehow. <laughs> yeah. They tend to do that. It's <laughs> amazing. And the church was probably about 4,000 people at that time. And they all decided at the same time they didn't like me. There's about 400 of them. And it's the loudest 400 people you've ever met in your mm -hmm. life. And they left the church. The only, the only rumor I didn't hear about myself is that I was a child molester. Mm. I heard every, every rumor and lie that you can tell about a person, they told about me in the community. And I would go somewhere, I would walk to a restaurant, somewhere, go, well, Jimmy, are you okay? Yeah, fine. Well, I heard that mm -hmm. you and Karen were getting divorced. I heard this one. No. <laughs> and so these people left. Well, they started a church. They started mm -hmm. a little game. And well, they 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 wanted to destroy me. And uh, now the interesting thing was the giving didn't go down. Yeah, isn't that interesting? That's <laughs> very interesting. <laughs> and when they left, all the nonsense stopped. It was like somebody sprayed Lysol, and everybody mm -hmm. and all the beautiful people came. And uh, I woke up one day and I was angry at the Lord. And uh, I just thought, you know, you don't you don't take care of me very well. And I'm down here, you know, fighting evil and trying to you know, build a great church and you're, you're, you're on vacation or something. I don't appreciate it. You letting all those people do that to me. And I stayed mad at the Lord for, you know, several weeks and, and I had never been mad at the Lord because, you know, it's hard to talk to him when you're mad at him, you know, it's hard right. to pray. So several weeks later, I'm, I'm at the sink shaving and just in an instant of time, the Lord took me back through every single scenario of those people that I had placated. And he said, you could have told the truth here. You could have told the truth here. See, it's, I was afraid of losing people. Don't be afraid of losing that's people. Right. Yeah. Be afraid of keeping the wrong ones. Yeah, that's, that's right. So there's, good. there's an analogy of body, and I use this analogy, and because this is a podcast, I'll, I'll use this analogy. You know, the, the, the body of Christ is a body. Well, bodies eliminate, mm -hmm. and naturally. And so you don't want to not eliminate. You want to eliminate. You just want to eliminate the right stuff. And when you're pastoring a church, you always want to see who's leaving. Mm -hmm. Because if you're a healthy church and a, you're a healthy pastor, the right people are leaving. Mm -hmm. I was trying to keep everybody. And so we had a toxic church that couldn't eliminate because the pastor was mm -hmm. afraid of, fa of failure. And the Lord, when I was shaving that day, the Lord took me back through every scenario of all the people that I had lied to, placated, and all that stuff. And he said, Jimmy, I was there to help you. Mm. You just wouldn't tell the truth. And I stood there at that mirror that day and I said, regardless of the cost, I don't care who I lose. I don't care what happens. I will never placate it again. And so then at that point, people would come up to me. And I mean, it was so tormenting the first years of ministry, you know. <laughs> 
and all these demanding people. Well, they wanted this, they wanted that, and all that. Well, then after that, it was so peaceful because people would come up and say, well, Pastor Jimmy, we want this and this and this. And I would just say, we don't do that. You might want to go to another church. It took a, a two-second conversation. I would. Obviously. We, don't, we don't do Here, that. Here's you a list of my friends that I'm happy, happy, to, happy to point you to. And that's exactly right. And they would kind of look at me like, what? And here's a list of my enemies. <laughs> but I remember being so set free. It was the fear of man. The yeah. fear of man is a snare. Yeah. The the fear of man and just that, that fear of them leaving. Well, then after getting beat up like that, I had the fear of the wrong people staying. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's when that's when I began to teach leaders about uh, letting letting the church relieve itself. Mm-hmm. Is that when you have someone that's toxic, you you have to yeah. let them go, but trying to keep them. And the the church is an open pasture. the The sheep can go wherever they want to and get fed. So I don't own anybody. Mm-hmm. When people come, they come. What I want to do is create an atmosphere to where they want to stay. Yeah, you know, it's healthy and they want to stay. But but there's no goats. And there's That's no right. wolves. Is they're they're safe here, and so the the fear. And I, I want to talk in just a little bit about how I get how I got set free from these other fears because that that was one fear I dealt with, but I had a demonic spirit of fear that tormented me for many years. And so you go ahead. Do y'all talk about your own issues? Well, I, I just you know fighting fear is a thing, and I, but I love what you're saying about recognizing the body's going to shift. And I think that's one of the things that COVID actually was a, in, in some ways a gift. I mean, I would never say that COVID itself is a gift, but what it did for the church, I mean, talking about dealing with fear. I mean, we all had days yeah. where we, we didn't know what was going to happen that's or where right. this thing was going and, yeah. and trying to lead through that and, and trying to be encouraging and hold everybody up and, yeah. you know, preach online for a lot of us. That was the first time yeah. to use cameras and all those things. I mean, it was just a challenging thing to do. But I, I and I, I would love to hear, Lee, if this has been your experience, but what we've seen on the backside of it is all the people that are coming. Now, what it actually did is the people that are coming, 100% of the people in my church that are there on a weekend want to be there. That's right. And they're excited to be there. Yeah. And it's bringing an energy. And, and so the the tire kickers don't tire kick by coming to yeah. visit the building anymore. They're, they're online. They're, they're yeah. going to see if they want to they do it. But the people that are coming love it. And it's high energy and it's it's thriving. And it's it's actually done exactly what you said. It, it in a sense, kind of selected out those that want to be there and it's created a magnificent culture at this point yeah i mean if you had to arrange a crisis to be the fire that shows you the alloys versus the gold the dross versus the silver 2020 2021 was the perfect storm right. right you had you had uh uh one of the most volatile political seasons. Mm-hmm. You had a global pandemic. You had race conflict. Yep. Uh, and then you had the emergence of all this, you know, kind of woke ideology mm-hmm. that's taken front and center. It's several other things. Economic downturn. It was all, you know, and for a pastor to not have people. How many Sundays do we gauge our success by our attendance number that we get Sunday afternoon? Yeah. Or the offering number that we get mm-hmm. Monday? Yeah. And t- to have to preach to a camera. Uh and to trust by faith that people are actually that you still have a church. <laughs> yeah. Somebody asked me during COVID, how large is your church? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, I exactly. don't know. Well, if I use somebody's numbers online, you know, anybody who clicks past your thing, I have 34,000 people in my church. But, right. you know, but you really didn't know there was a period of time. And on top of that, I had people leave my church because mm-hmm. they thought I was a uh, they thought I went woke because I, I talked on race stuff. Mm-hmm. Then I had other people leave the church because they said I was a far right Christian nationalist. 
Then I had people leave the church because uh, they felt like we should force people to wear masks. Then I had people leave the church because we didn't discourage people from wearing masks. And then oh, I had yeah. people that thought we should have opened sooner. Oh, yeah. Then I had people that thought we should have never opened. I mean, no. there was absolutely no way you were going to be able to do what you just That's mentioned. Right. And right. you know what, Pastor Jimmy, uh, you're not the only one. We've all done that over the yeah. years. It's like, oh, you want groups? Oh, you want men's yeah. ministry? Oh, yeah. you want... 2020, you couldn't do that. Right. It was the perfect storm. And I think for some leaders, it caused that fear to overtake them. I don't mm -hmm. know what the numbers are, but so many pastors left the ministry. I know that in 2021, yeah. Barna did a study and said that 70% of pastors were considering leaving the ministry and going into another field. Wow. 70%. Yeah. So much of that is related to fear because mm -hmm. when those kind of things kick in, what happens is you can't avoid your fears anymore. You either confront them or you exit. Mm -hmm. yeah. And just like uh, you were mentioning, I, uh, bodies need to take in and they also need to eliminate. We, we have to be careful that we don't allow our fears to create congregational constipation. That's uh, good. That That's we're right. holding the wrong people in uh, and uh, because we'll end up lo losing the right people. That's exactly right. If we don't allow that to happen. And we ultimately have to trust that Jesus is the one who builds his church and there's a flow of his spirit mm -hmm. that comes through. There's that passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that talks about, I hear that there's divisions among you. Some of these things are needful mm -hmm. so yeah. that those who are really genuinely part of the body can be revealed. Right. Well, sometimes we can't know who's really with us until those moments. And, yeah. It, uh, and it, it can affect the way you preach and teach. And I know that um, I never I never let fear keep me from preaching and teaching on certain things, but I feared while I was preaching it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Is yeah. I, I went I ahead and said it. And then I feared who we're going to lose. You know? And in your mind, you're thinking, oh, what's this going to do? Yeah. <laughs> well, and when you're, you know, I love what you're saying too, Lee, is when we're trying to save a group, you know, you're, you're trying not to lose, try not to eliminate, if you right. will. It does bring about, we, we teach in our TFAC crew, we, we call it the principle of adverse selection. And so what ends up happening, you end up holding on to That's right. some things that we don't want to hold on to. And what it does is it actually turns away the people that we really want. Yep. I mean, we, we saw this in our youth years ago. This is before I was on staff. This is when, when I was an elder. And we had some youth guys. They were they were so excited. They wanted to reach out to kind of the uh, uh, low-income area right next to the church. And so they did a great job. They got all these people in. And they were doing a good job evangelizing. And the youth, you know, more people than we ever had. And we had a, uh, at least one arrest pretty much every Wednesday night. <laughs> yeah. We had to have multiple police. And then we found out our, our church families are not sending their children to the youth group because wow. it's it because it's become an outreach right. i mean and it was effective as an outreach but it was terrible as serving the youth and i know that's a that's a gross example or an extreme example but we do the same thing when we think we're going to hold on to a certain group that maybe god's even trying to send yeah. in of a different way what they're doing that that group can often turn away the very people we we want to attract that's and we so want true. to bring in the, the problem with fear is god never honors the fear-based decision and, and I say this, so everybody, whether you're pastor, church leader, whoever you are, God will never honor it. And one, one of the questions I ask myself all the time is, what will God bless? Mm -hmm. And if God won't bless it, why would I do it? Why, why would I waste any time and energy on it? God will not, he will not bless a fear-based decision. I know because I made a bunch of them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you go to the Lord, and, and again, I would get frustrated with the Lord because he would bless it. The Lord said, you, you made that decision but so these people wouldn't leave. 
You made that decision so this guy over here would be happy. You, you, you did not make that decision because I spoke that to you. So every time we make a fear-based decision, it's going to be painful. Mm -hmm. It's going to fail. Whether it's what we preach or what we don't preach or how we deal with a person or you know how we're leading or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so the, the fear that I had um, was a demonic fear. And um, the you know, I had there's different manifestations of it. One one of the things was, you know, I would uh, p preach to 500 people, then a thousand people, then two thousand people, then four thousand people. Then I would go on TV, and I go on live TV, and I go on this thing, and I go. So I would deal with fear on this level and kind of deal with it, and then the level kept changing. Well, Joel Osteen asked me to come preach for him one Sunday morning. I think I, it was probably about nine years ago, seven mm -hmm. years ago. And, um, and as soon as he asked me, I said, sure, I'd love to. And I started to have fear. And um, 2 Timothy 1.7 says that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and a sound mind. Well, one of, the, one of the, most, the things about the devil that makes him so dangerous is stealth. If the devil, if he could mm -hmm. just, if you could just see him, if, you, mm -hmm. if, if he would just present himself and say, I'm the devil and I'm going to attack you with fear, well, we would fight it. But the problem with fear is, a demon spirit of fear uses us as his disguise. And so I thought it was my fear. Mm -hmm. And I would, all of a sudden I would just start having this thing of I'm going to get up and speak for Joel and start crying and slobbering and not be able to talk <laughs> and the whole world's going to see me melt down and for all this stuff. So, so here's what I tell people about fear. You'll never overcome fear. And I'm talking about a spirit of fear. Now there's a good fear. You know, good fear is, you know, you're driving down the road and someone swerves into your lane and you swerve out, fight or flight. Right. Okay, that's, it's circumstantial, it's instructive, uh, and it, it's, it, it, it leaves, mm -hmm. okay? And so, it's, so it's all good. But the demonic fear is chronic, mm -hmm. it's debilitating, it's, it's disorienting. That's what I had. Mm -hmm. And just this premonitions of, of fear is a prophet spirit from hell. Yes sent to give you a negative report yep. of the future so that you will make a fear-based decision that God won't honor. Mm -hmm. That's what fear is. That's so good. So that so the devil would come to me and give me premonitions of me failing. Well, yeah. I, I never felt in, in the natural, you know, I would get I would fear and deal with all this fear and stuff. Well then I get out there and everything would be fine. So when Joel asked me to come speak for him, immediately I began to have fear. Well, so I tell people you'll never overcome fear until you Deal with it as a separate entity. It's not your fear. God didn't create you with that fear. He He, he would yeah. never do that. It is it is uh, whatever whatever avenue the devil uses of uh, uh, trauma, yeah. you know, rejection, whatever avenue the devil uses to the open door. He uses and comes in and fortifies mm -hmm. a natural fear that we have. Yeah. There. So you have to deal with it as a separate entity. So here's here's how I dealt with fear uh, related to Joel. And so uh, every day when I started having this fear, I would say, demon spirit of fear, I bind you in Jesus' name. And I will not let you talk to me. I will not let you minister to me. You're a demon spirit mm. of fear and you're a liar. And I pray, Lord, for power, for love, and a sound mind to be mm. over me right now. And so I prayed every day before the morning of the, I wouldn't speak for Joel. Now, Joel had in the, in the 11 o'clock service, he had 12,000 people in there, life, in, in that basketball arena that he has. And um, so I preached on Saturday night, then I preached twice on Sunday morning. Well, the, But the big service was the, the uh, 11 o'clock service. So Joel gets up and he's introducing me and I'm sitting there with my whole family here, you know. And so I'm getting up speaking. 
I never had a twinge of fear. I mm. got up and spoke and joined him, you know, just stood up there and spoke. And I got down, and, I, and, I, and while I was speaking up there, I kept thinking, why am I so peaceful? I mean, I, I just don't, I'm just comfortable and, you know, comfortable with people. Got finished, you know. And so many times I would be tormented by this fear, not knowing it's a demon spirit. Right. Wow. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. That's right. It's a demon spirit. And so you can't educate a demon. You can't domesticate a demon. You can't train a demon. You can't cancel, uh, counsel a demon. You just cast the little sucker out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we, we have authority, everybody, That's everybody right. listen to this, you have authority over the devil. So when a spirit of fear comes to you and you have begin to have these premonitions, mm -hmm. this prophet spirit comes, you have these premonitions, and it begins to change your personality, change your decision-making, compromise who you are, compromise your ministry, and all that kind of stuff. You've got, you, you, nobody can do it for you. You've got to stand up to it. You've got to speak to it. And so since then, since, since I had that episode, I've never again had, and I've had fear since then, but I just deal with it. Yeah. And I, and I know mm. it's a demonic attack. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think it, it's important to acknowledge too, that, you know, as pastors, what we like to do, I, not just pastors, I think everybody does this. We, we don't want to say we have a spirit of fear. So we'll say, well, I'm just stressed. Yeah, I have right, worry. Right, I have yeah. anxiety. Yeah. You know, stress, worry, and anxiety are all versions of fear. Yeah. And, and it's yeah. that fear, you know, I, that's I, exactly right. You, you were talking about that second Timothy. I actually had pulled this up just earlier. Um, the verse just before. So of course, second Timothy, uh, one seven is for God's not given us a spirit of fear that you just quoted, but the one right before it, this is verse six. Paul says to Timmy, this is why I remind you to fan into flames yeah, the spiritual gift so God you. gave you when I laid my hands on you. Yeah. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, yeah. but a power, love and a yeah. sound mind. Yeah. So the very context of that verse is, you know, an apostolic father talking to his pastoral, you know, spiritual son. You, you need to get some faith. You need, you need to remember to fan into flame that gift you've given. Don't let that spirit yeah. of fear hold you back. Don't let worry, anxiety, so you good. know, all of those things. And it's and the enemy attacks. I mean, the enemy is overwhelming. I mean, I remember, yeah. you, you know, you and the elders laid hands on Kim and I to <clears throat> become senior pastors on a Wednesday. And on Monday, uh, as a church, we got a $50 million lawsuit right. filed against on us. On the front page of the paper? On the front page of, the, of every paper. Congratulations. Thank you. Welcome to, welcome to ministry. Uh, I said, Jimmy, that never happened when I was there. <laughs> exactly. I think I called and offered it back to you, and you can just laugh. So, uh, so you know, because that's what the enemy wants. The yeah. enemy wants to overwhelm us yeah. with right. things to, so that we're just so worried and so stressed. And, and Kim and I have really been working through, really trying to understand, especially the worry and anxiety piece, and one of the things that we've really learned on that is because, you know, all of that raises our cortisol levels, oh, yeah. puts us in that fight or flight yeah. mode. But one of the amazing things is, is as your amygdala gets stimulated, you know, in that fight or flight, we actually lose the ability to creatively think and problem solve. That's wow. so good. Um, we, yep. Because it, we're, we're more focused on, you know, survival and you're, you're yep. trying to look for when's the next shoe going to drop and when's that elder going to come harass me? And, you know, you know am, am I going to say something on stage that's going to, you know, get me in trouble? Yep. And so we start looking for all those things and you lose the ability to creatively think. Yeah. And and that's one of the things the enemy wants to do yeah. with that spirit of fear. Yeah, paralyzes. Is it yeah. paralyzes yeah. and keep yeah. us from hearing the Lord and, and creatively solving problems. I remember hearing uh, years ago, Pastor uh, Cho mm. at that time, yeah. pastor of the world's largest yeah. church, I think about 800,000 people, yeah. you know, small struggling little church over there in Korea. Hmm. But he, he was asked one time in a panel, what's the greatest gift that a, a leader can have? that every great leader that you've ever known has had. And he said, it's the spirit of faith. 
every leader has to have the spirit of faith. Well, if you think about that, what's what's the counterfeit to that? Mm-hmm. That's it's exactly the spirit right. of fear. And right. when you are operating, whether knowingly or unknowingly, out of a spirit of fear, what is happening is exactly what you said. The enemy is painting a demonic prophetic vision That's right. in your heart about the future. But when you are operating out of a demonic counterfeit vision, you can't also operate in the spirit of faith and get a prophetic vision from the Lord. That's right. So, so much of why as leaders we have to contend with fears, obviously it's on a personal level, but we can't operate in the spirit of faith at the same time we're operating by spirit of fear. So we're we're giving up the greatest asset, Mm -hmm. the greatest facet of the anointing, which is the spirit of faith. Yeah. Just... If I could go back in time, you know, I would not have ever normalized fear in my ministry because mm-hmm. it was there for so long. Right. I made so many decisions that were fear-based decisions. Even as the church was growing, we were making some good decisions, but just on a personal level. Well, let me say one more thing. We could address one more issue before we end this podcast. A lot of my um, fear came from an orphan spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, my father issues and my, my dad growing up he was he wasn't in my life he was he was in the house he just wasn't in my life never touched me never talked to me never came to a ball game or anything he was, he was just there and my concept we, we develop our concept of god mostly from our fathers mm-hmm. uh, god put his image on adam and eve and then commanded them to multiply so parents are image bearers of god to their children whether they know or yeah. not uh, there was a, a book written it's called faith of the fatherless by a guy named paul vitz and the premise of his book is all famous atheists hated their fathers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Nietzsche, Freud, all of them. And the reason they don't want God to exist is they wish their fathers didn't. Wow. Their hatred for their fathers. So there's a direct correlation of our concept of God. Well, my concept of God was he didn't know who I was. Mm-hmm. That I mean, for, and, and it was evolving over the years. And I thought, well, yeah, well, God knows who I am. And so as a pastor now, I'm, I'm dealing with a big budget, uh, a lot of needs, building buildings, doing all those kinds of things. Now, it would be many years in the future before I'd wake up one day and realize that that my anxiety and my fear was all rooted in a mistrust of God. Mm-hmm. I nagged at God. Mm-hmm. I was like a bulldog on a chain just thinking, why don't, why don't you go faster? Why don't you? And I was just always frustrated. And I woke up one morning and I, and I said, and I was embarrassed. And I said to the Lord, I have always doubted your goodness. Mm-hmm. Because part of the mm-hmm. fear there is I'm on my own, uh, an right. orphan spirit. I have to make it. this happen. I've yep. got to make this happen. Yep. Is God, you know, I, I don't have, you see, if, if you came to me and said, okay, here's your father, Jimmy. He's the wealthiest man in the world. He's the toughest guy in the world. He's the wisest <laughs> guy in the world. He adores you 24 hours a day. He's there for you. I thought, well, I don't have any problem. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm all good. But if, but if that God is behind a curtain and I really don't know him very well, I, you know, I've heard of him and I mm-hmm. think he's good. So a lot of our fears many times are just rooted in the fact that we really don't know how loved we are. Yeah, that's right. That, you know, that, that we really don't necessarily cast all your cares upon him. He cares for you. Yeah. Well, I just, I, I thought to myself, I'm talking about as a pastor, I really care for myself more than he cares for me. <laughs> I really love this church, I think, maybe more than he loves it. And, 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 and I can't figure out why he's not doing more faster, further and all this stuff. And I woke up one morning and, and, and as my revelation of the Lord and my relationship with him grew, I woke up one morning and I just said, I want to apologize mm-hmm. for always doubting your goodness and nagging at you and lecturing you and being frustrated with you because he's good. Mm-hmm. 
He, you know, and if we just, the opposite of fear is faith, the spirit of faith. Well, the faith isn't faith in faith, it's faith in him. Mm -hmm. And you have to have faith in his heart. You have to have yeah. faith in his character. And he's a father. Jesus said, when you pray, say father. He's not just a distant God, he's a father, he's a dad. And so the, the evolution of me um, being set free from fear was several things. One is just learning, you know, mm -hmm. some of my fear was just in ignorance. But it was also in spiritual warfare, but it was also in a revelation of God as my father. Mm -hmm. And so the, you know, it's just fear, fear is something that we all deal yeah. with, but but it's something we can't normalize. That's you, right. It, it's tormenting. It causes physical problems, emotional problems, just like you're talking about doing where you, you can't think clearly. What what are some final thoughts that you guys have on this subject of fear? Well, just even as you're talking, I'm I'm remembering an encounter I had with God one time where I'm I'm standing in the ocean, we're having this discussion. Uh, very similar to the way you're describing it, you know, where I'm like, where are you? Why aren't you doing something? Why are you leaving me to control all this? And uh, I'm standing in the ocean and it's it's morning and I'm facing the, you know, facing east and the sun's coming up. And and the Lord just asked me, he goes, uh, uh, what did you do to make that sun come up? And, and I said, well, nothing. And, and he goes, OK. And he goes, you see this wave, this set of waves coming in. What, what can you do to stop it? I was like, well, nothing. And what can you do to create it? Well, nothing. He's like, well, I'm doing all of that. I'm running the entire universe. The, the very atoms that are in your body are held together by my word. What do you think I don't have? What, what, what do you think that you are so important that, you know, you have to handle it yourself? And I'm doing all this. Would you please just let go and let me take yeah. care of this? And it's so freeing oh, to, yeah. to just know that, that he's got it. And it doesn't mean that we're not working hard and we don't have plans and strategies and all of those things. But, you know, it, we start having worry and anxiety and we think it's a merit badge of responsibility that's right um but it's actually uh detracting us and keeping us from being everything god's called us and, to be. and it's really proof that we're not trusting that's right you know there's sometimes you can have stress you know th things happen you know schedules that you know things happen that you didn't plan and stuff like that and you get through it you can't normalize that mm -hmm. no you know I've, I've never had measles mumps chicken pox never had a cavity never had a childhood disease couldn't get sick as a child when I came into the ministry, my body fell apart. I mean, I, I mean, when I came in the ministry, my, I literally, my entire body fell apart. And I was laying sick in bed one day, sicker than a dog. The doctor told me, I don't know what's wrong with you. You're just really sick. <laughs> Thanks. I was laying in bed sick. Well, you know, and uh, there's one scripture I've always scoffed at as a young pastor. My yoke is easy and my burden's light. And I read that one day and I just laughed. And I thought, you're about to kill me. <laughs> and I'm, just, I'm serious. Yeah, I'm yeah. Like, your yoke is not easy and your burden is not light. And the Lord said to me, it's not my yoke and it's not my burden that you're carrying. Boy. And, and, and it, it, like a badge of honor. Right, I'm down right. here working and I'm sweating it out here, you know, whatever. And, and I, but I was laying in bed sick and the Lord had absolutely no sympathy for me. None. Stress is a self-inflicted wound. Mm, that's right. He is not the slave driver. We're the slave drivers. And a lot of times it's that fear that we're down here, we think we have to make it happen, mm -hmm. we're not trusting him, and we're down here, and we're thinking, you know, I hope you're looking, looking at how hard I'm working down here, and then mm -hmm. you, you know, throw me a bone here. And Lord's saying, I'm not throwing, I'll, I'll, make you lie, uh, I'll make you lay down in green pastures. You may be sick when you lay down, <laughs> but I'll make you lay down. But it, it was something for me that physically, mentally, emotionally, in your relationships, right down the line, you just can't allow that stress and fear to come in mm -hmm. your life. It'll destroy you, what, what do you think? Yeah. You know, there's a lot there. I, I I'm I'm thinking back to you know I, w I was raised in a, a single 
parent home. My dad left when I was nine months old and uh, then remarried. So I had two dads. I had a negligent dad and an emotionally unavailable stepfather. And it took me a lot of years, even years deep into ministry, to realize how that had affected my projection of who God was and how it had also affected the way I approached the ministry because I found myself in a movement of churches that you you both are familiar with wonderful uh great people but there was a there was an underlying ethos and culture of competition right. and i played into that because all of my life i had been trying to be the best stand out compete to be noticed mm -hmm. that was true in sports that was true of artistic abilities even public speaking and different things like that and i wonder how many leaders and pastors if, if the statistics are true of how many leaders come out of fatherless homes or oh, yeah. have been affected by that, how that is driving them. And they don't even necessarily know that it's fear yeah. because the way it manifested for me was the fear of man, but it was competition and comparison. Yeah. I was constantly comparing myself to others mm -hmm. and then competing with them because I really believed that the only way that you got God's attention was to get it to the front of the pack. Yeah. And that, fear of maybe not being able to get, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm not the best. Maybe I'm not, maybe I'm just this close to being good enough. That drove me and, emo and ultimately emotionally, you know, in 2006, I kind of hit a, a season of burnout in ministry, mm -hmm. but I didn't realize it at the moment, but it was God's mercy and it was God's grace, not letting yeah. me go too far to, right. and becoming broken. It was his way of bringing me to a point of healing. And he really set me free, set me free from the fear of man. Uh, set me free from that spirit of competition and allowed me to be true to who I was. And I just wonder how many leaders, pastors may even be listening to this who internally have mm -hmm. some of those same struggles and yeah. have allowed that fear of man and that uh, broken fatherly image to affect their ability to not only do ministry, but to experience joy in the middle of it. Because right. even though it's a battle, you know, we're called, you know, built mm -hmm. for war. Jesus said in this world, you'll have trouble, but take heart. That's right. I've overcome the world. There's joy we can have in the midst That's of right. this, but you can't have joy when you're under the bondage of a spirit mm -hmm. of fear. That's right. And and I hope that something that's been said in this podcast help you maybe to locate your own issues that you have. We all we all have issues. And the part of the purpose of this podcast is for us to be very transparent and very real with you to maybe help you. But I'm saying bring it into the light. Mm -hmm. tell, right. tell your wife, tell your mm -hmm. husband, tell have people pray for you and get help. Getting help is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of wisdom. And every person I've I've never met a person that wasn't insecure to some degree. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm talking about the pastor of the largest churches in America. <laughs> All of us deal with stuff. But the people who are successful deal with it. Mm -hmm. They get it out. They admit it. You know, they, they talk to a person. They, they go to God. And so I want, let me pray for you. Uh, we're we're going to pray for you before we leave. Just praying that if whatever fear that you're dealing with, that the Lord will expose it and heal you and set you free of that, but also taking authority over demon spirits of fear. Mm -hmm. Let's pray. Father, thank you for all, everyone watching right now, man, woman, and child. Lord, we take authority over a demon spirit of fear in Jesus' name. Yes, and we right. say we bind right. you in Jesus' name. We command you to leave. We're not going to listen to you. We're not going to let you minister to us. We reject all your premonitions of failure and disaster. And we just declare that 
God is going to give us love and power and a sound mind, right. and we will see success because God is with us. Yes. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Lord, I also just pray, heal the the damage, the stress, the anxiety, the fear. Lord, reveal it and heal it. Show us who you are, Lord. Let, let the end of this journey be a relationship with you that gives us peace that passes understanding, that vanquishes all of our fears. Bless everyone watching right now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We're so glad that you guys joined us today. We we have, first of all, a builtforwar.com. And so this is a subscription website where you get the full Built for War podcast. Plus, we have articles that come out every week. And so that's $15 a month, uh, builtforwar.com. We also have Excel leadership uh, forums that takes place regularly through the year. So if you want more information on our Excel leadership forums, go to xlleadershipforum.com. We'd love to see at one of our leadership forums. It's going to be uh, Pastor Lee Cummings, Pastor Jimmy Witcher, myself, Pastor John Chastain teaching about leadership and, and spending time. Our forums are very interactive, so it's not just a bunch of talking. We have a lot of interchange and a lot of questions and answers and things like that. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next month right here on Built for War. God bless you.